0: This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Back at you, hour three on a great day for talk radio. It's nice to be back. I was away for a week. I want to thank, I guess it was Arlene Bynum in uh, my stead. Very, very much appreciated while I was uh, luxuriating somewhere else where it was warm and uh, the sun shone during the day. Come back and it's this, my goodness. However, uh, it's nice to be back in Canada (laughs) You know, where, as I was expressing earlier last hour, you know, just coming into Pearson on a Sunday at the end of the American Thanksgiving weekend, our border guards could have used tear gas. Honest to God, it was just mayhem at Pearson. That's the way it goes. By the way, when I was down there in FLA, I was talking to a friend who actually uh, has a place down there, but he also lives near the National Golf Course uh, right up here at Pine Valley Drive and uh, off, I guess you would say, just north of Highway 7. There are a number of really, really, really uh, well-to-do homes that have been broken into. A spate of robberies from a rather brazen gang that will do it in the middle of the day and while people are at home. And in many cases, they come through the roof, or be, and they they work in teams of like four. It's wild. I got to ask Julian Fantino about this. He understands. Uh, I guess he's, you know, familiar with the neighborhood, and. He's going to join us here shortly anyway on a conversation having to do with this new shop theft pilot program that has the two precincts right in the heart of downtown Toronto, 51 and 52, not prosecuting first-time offenders when it comes to theft. And so it's a case of the theft prevention officers in, say, a store like, well, at the Eaton Center. They catch somebody, they nab somebody, they'll take down their name, uh, and they'll call it into the cops, but no follow-up on that. And whether any reparation will be made to the shop that's been violated remains to be seen. But, you know, uh, when you've got this kind of a program in place, it's sort of almost, uh, what would you call it? It's counterintuitive. You would think if you've got a freebie to steal and nobody, there's no consequence. Isn't that really the whole point and purpose of law enforcement? There's a consequence. And if you've got a freebie, as I say, or a mulligan, as our friend last hour, Mike Van Solen, was saying, uh, what's the deterrent? Where's that come in? Unless there's civil liability, and this is where uh, I think it becomes a fascinating topic that we'll address with Mr. Fantino shortly, along with some other things that have been brought up, including uh, a former Toronto cop who just retired or resigned because he was, well, caught lifting some contraband from a dispensary, a marijuana dispensary, and uh, while on duty, ate a chocolate bar that made him so high he thought he was going to die, and he was wandering around in a haze, still with his badge and his gun on the holster. Uh, so he's now been given a nine-month conditional sentence. That's almost like a freebie, too, isn't it? Well, uh, we'll address those shortly. However, the topic de jour seems to be the manufacturing base in Ontario just got further eroded, or is about to, with the announcement that Oshawa GM, uh, Oshawa, is closing next year. And uh, in total, I guess, 14,700 factory and white-collar jobs in North America are going to be lost, close to 2,600 in Oshawa. And uh, that has a lot of people reeling, not least of whom are the employees and their uh, spokespeople like Jerry Diaz, With Unifor was on earlier in the program suggesting they're going to fight back. They believe that if they can get the UAW stateside to join them in solidarity and uh, perhaps do walkouts in the various plants, rotating strikes, whatever you want, uh, this would get the attention of General Motors. I'm not sure that's entirely going to play, uh, but nonetheless, Jerry Diaz has to say something, and he was in a militant frame of mind earlier today. We understand the sentiment Andrea Horvath blaming the Doug Ford government for not having any plan. Buzz Hargrove suggested Ford government does have tools in their tool chest that they could implement, such as just denying entry to into this marketplace of any GM product. Again, these are the Hail Mary passes that these folks are talking about, because about 25, 2,600 jobs are at stake. Other manufacturers have also lost. Where's the government helping them? Did the government step up in that case? Is this a case of preferential treatment for, as a former colleague used to say, the sacred auto worker? Is that understandable? Let's get Jocelyn Bamford in here. Jocelyn is the founder of the Coalition of Concerned Manufacturers and Businesses of Ontario and obviously has a very much a vested interest in manufacturing being decimated. Jocelyn, how are you doing this afternoon?
1: It's a very sad day for manufacturing in this province and the, and the weather just reflects our feelings on the whole situation and our hearts do go out to those folks that have families to support and mortgages to pay uh, and for them having to know that their jobs are going to be terminated is, is tragic.
0: Yeah and I don't mean to diminish the impact but you know this has been going on for quite some time it's just a General Motors, Oshawa, this is you know iconic stuff and unionized employees but manufacturers have been taking a hit from umpteen years now with uh nobody really playing up their plight or governments being called to uh do more to address the situation or unions protecting their workers or hoping to, uh, would you say that's a pretty fair assessment?
1: Absolutely. And and this is a cautionary tale and one that we've been sounding the alarm for almost two years now to because we have watched and witnessed manufacturers erode out of this province and they've gone either wholesale by moving like gm is doing or they've gone by moving their growth or they've gone by selling out to multinationals or they've gone bankrupt so this has been going on for a long time and we've been calling on uh... the the previous uh... provincial government and the federal government to come up with a strategy for manufacturing and they haven't been uh we haven't seen that. We've only recently with the new government seen an interest in retrenching manufacturing and supporting manufacturing. But we really need to do something. It's you know, we've been asleep at the switch for ten years and it's not just the direct jobs that are so problematic. It's the indirect job and it's a it's like a ripple in the pond because it's not just the the people that work directly for General Motors, it's the companies that supply General Motors, and then it's all the companies, especially in the small to medium-sized businesses, which outsource so many of their jobs, and it's the impact that those are all going to have on the Ontario
0: economy. Any uh, chance to quantify that? I mean, sometimes we'll uh, say rather glibly, like, seven jobs are created by one manufacturing job in automotive. I've heard as high as 10. Do you know the actual number?
1: Yeah, so so the, you know, there's there's various uh, numbers, but you just have to think of it this way because it's 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 very easy to understand that if you're a supplier and especially in the small to medium sized businesses, we outsource everything. So we outsource our lawyer, our accountant, the our IT guy, the guy that delivers our mats, our uniforms, our coffee truck. So when you start to think about manufacturing, and I've heard from seven to one to ten to one to higher than that. There is a huge ripple effect on the economy when you start to lose manufacturing and the, the biggest thing people need to realize is those are high paying jobs. So we're replacing our high paying uh skilled labor jobs in manufacturing that are going away with low skilled service jobs. And remember manufacturing brings money in, services move money around. So we really do need a strategy to, to maintain and grow and we're just we're not competitive in in Canada and and in Ontario and we need to address that and you know it's it's energy costs it's it was the cascading effect of bill 148 it's the carbon tax that's coming it's it's the fact that we can't get affordable energy because we can't get pipelines through and and as as automotive goes the same thing that is happening with our resource sector and there is as many jobs or close to as many jobs in Ontario that are dependent on that, and that's going to be the next uh, shoe to drop.
0: Well, in the case of General Motors, uh, do you believe it's non-competitive factors that led to them deciding that this would be one of the places they would target to shutter? Because there's also Warren, Ohio; Warren, Michigan, uh, as I understand it, Detroit proper, and uh, a place in Korea as well, among others listed. So, uh, is it really something to do with the non-competitive? nature of ontario where we find ourselves
1: i I believe it is because when businesses make decisions they make decisions on what can i do to maximize um the return on the investment so they're looking at that and that just brings the point up that we need to be closer to our customers and by our customers i'm talking about our job creators because the government's uh customers that is the uh, the citizens of the province and who gives them the money to give them the taxes is the job creator and there's they should be having joint task force to talk to the employers to say what do what do we do jointly to become more competitive and be attractive it's not just preventing companies from leaving we're not really attracting any new companies to come here so we need to have that joint strategy and understand because if if it was me and one of my major uh, customers was leaving me i 'd hope that I have a good enough relationship that one I would know that much before, and two, I could see the storm clouds on the horizons and try to do something about it. If we lose a large customer, the first thing we say is we got out outsold we got outsold by somebody, and the same thing applies to businesses that locate in countries, we got outsold by somebody, whether it's Mexico or somebody outsold us. So we need to make sure that we're competitive. Let
0: me understand this. Uh, Would you then favor certain manufacturers being incentivized? Look, we just had the situation with Amazon. Uh, They decided not to come into Toronto, for example, with their second headquarters, but they're going to New York and Maryland. And the cost of that for uh, those two areas collectively is like $3 billion dollars. Do you support that kind of initiative? No,
1: I don't. What I do support, however, is to make sure that our, our landscape is as competitive as we can be with affordable energy, with uh, very good programs for skilled labor, for understanding what companies need to thrive and survive in the, in the climate. But I don't support picking winners and losers, because I think that's just a... A recipe for disaster and a race to the bottom. So I think we need to look at what our infrastructure is to support and how we attract businesses here.
0: My understanding is General Motors, even though it hasn't come out in the wake of this devastating news for Oshawa and manufacturing, they've got about a thousand jobs online in Markham uh, that involve artificial intelligence, high tech kind of stuff. Uh, is that trade off worthwhile?
1: So I I think it's great that Markham does have that, but we need to make sure that we're doing everything to support all of our jobs and understand where we're in the balance sheet, where we're falling flat. Because, again, when you talk about that whole ripple effect, it's huge. So one of the things that um, people might not think about is if, if GM leaves, we, we talk about high energy uh, costs for manufacturing, and one of that is the global adjustment charge. Well, that global adjustment charge will now get distributed amongst the manufacturers that stay. So that's also problematic in terms of being able to support the people that are left behind.
0: Jocelyn, I know you've been uh, there from the hop as far as you know Doug Ford running for the premiership and uh, now that he is the premier you know you talk about a manufacturing strategy it's been several months in is he doing enough has he done enough already to uh, start to at least send signals that uh, this is a they talk about Ontario's open for business Uh, Ontario the government for the people Uh, how do you feel are you bullish about where he's taking it in so far as your interest in manufacturing are concerned
1: so yeah so The one thing we've noticed is a new tone in terms of the government. I was just at a meeting today with the government talking about a new product line that we're going to be offering, and they were supportive on how could they assist me in in removing some red tape. And I have heard that from a number of business owners that they are interested in rolling up their sleeves and figuring out how we can expand and grow our businesses without – uh, a preponderance of red tape and pain so so we uh, are uh, positive but we need we need more we need a strategy federally we need a strategy provincially and uh, we need to roll up our sleeves and figure out how we can keep jobs here in the province and in canada because i'm telling you the next thing to go is is the oil and gas sector and all the spin-off jobs from there. And if we don't figure it out, we're going to be in deep trouble.
0: All right, uh, that, that is an ominous note, and uh, certainly it looks like you're almost pressing on that because oil and gas already hurting, uh, notwithstanding, of course, the $40 billion project from the private sector out there in the West Coast. Jocelyn, I'll let you go on that note, and uh, we'll keep you in the loop, or you'll keep us in the loop, and uh, we'll talk soon, I'm sure.
1: Thanks, John. Take care.
0: And you, Jocelyn Bamford, again, the founder of the Coalition of Concerned Manufacturers and Businesses of Ontario.